0: This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. And welcome back to Vancouver Consumer. In just a few moments, we'll be joined by Janice Stahl from the Butterball Hotline to talk turkey. And take your calls and questions on how to get that big dinner just right this year. But first, here are some more of the top consumer stories we're following this week. British Columbia's public insurance provider is pitching a 6.3% increase to our basic premiums. In other words, ICBC wants more of your money. Yesterday, they submitted the application to the Utilities Commission. If approved, the new basic rate will take effect on April 1st and will mean an average increase of 60 bucks to insurance rates. According to ICBC, the escalating cost of injury claims is the single biggest factor saying, quote, injury claims costs have soared by 43% in just five years projected to total $3.67 billion in 2018 alone. Why? Increased injury claim legal representation, larger payouts, and the rise in large and catastrophic injury claims, says ICBC. The announcement comes as the province introduces new policies aimed at curbing losses by ICBC. Those include a $5,500 cap on payouts for pain and suffering for minor injuries, also starting next April. ICBC is currently projected to lose... $890 $890 million this fiscal year in what the province's attorney general has referred to as a financial dumpster fire. Last hour, we told you about Fraser Health's decision to require masks for hospital visitors and healthcare care workers alike who have not had a flu shot. rather. This time, we can tell you the latest from the BC Center for Disease Control. If you haven't already got a flu shot, now is the time to get one why well in addition to the obvious benefits a flu shot contains the center points out that at this high contact festive time of year the risk of catching the flu from an infected person is higher and it takes a couple of weeks for the vaccine to be most effective vaccinations are most important for high-risk individuals with underlying medical conditions like heart and lung disease or weakened immune systems which helps make fighting respiratory infections difficult those who are close to high-risk individuals Individuals should also be vaccinated. In addition to vaccination, people can take steps to reduce their own risk and decrease the spread of the flu, simple stuff like washing your hands regularly, avoiding touching your face, coughing into your elbow, and staying at home if you don't feel well. Most British Columbia residents will pay more for natural gas soon. Fortis BC says it's received regulatory approval from the BC Utilities Commission on Interim Rates for Customers to take effect very shortly on January 1st. Ben Dooley will have a look at who's going to pay how much more later in the hour. Well, it's list time, and as we wrap up another year, here's one from the Insurance Bureau of Canada, which said this week in its annual list of the most frequently stolen vehicles vehicles, the Ford F-250 and F-350 trucks dominated the list of most stolen vehicles. In Ontario, Chevrolet dominated the list, including older model Tahoes and Silverados. In Quebec, the most stolen vehicle was the 2017 Acura MDX. In Atlantic Canada, the Nissan Maxima was the top pick. Alberta also saw the most thefts, making up about 25000 of the 85000 vehicles stolen in 2017, that's up 6%. New Brunswick saw the sharpest rise in thefts, thefts, rather, up 28%. Ontario also up 15%. B.C. has had an average year. The board says New Year's Day is the most common time for vehicles to be stolen. Thieves are going after older model trucks because they have less sophisticated security measures, but there are newer, more devious break-in devices now being used on newer models. Models, so don't let your guard down. Theft, by the way was not a reason ICBC used yesterday when describing its intention to raise our rates next April. And here's a story I never thought I'd tell. Throughout his long and storied career, Keith Richards has made no secret of his love of drink and drugs. But lately, the 74-year-old Rolling Stones guitarist has turned over something of a new leaf. After decades of legendary indulging, Richards has all but given up on boozing. He told the Rolling Stone magazine, this revelation this week. It's been about a year, says Keith. I pulled the plug on it. I got fed up with it. Now, he hasn't gone completely teetotal, saying, I do enjoy a glass of wine occasionally or a beer, but this is still quite the change. Bandmate Ronnie Wood, 71, has been sober since 2010, and he says he's noticed a difference in Keith Richards. He says he's a pleasure to work with now, much more mellow, more open to ideas. And how has this new regime been for the music? Well, Keith says it's Interesting to play sober. (laughs) We're playing a lot more conscientiously now. We're in our 70s, but we're still rocking like we're 40-year-olds. The Stones' new 20-year city starts next April. The closest they'll get to Vancouver is Seattle next may 22nd those are a few more of the top consumer stories we're following this week we'll look at a few more later in the hour but coming right up get your turkey cooking questions ready for the nice lady from the butterball hotline janice Stahl will join us in just a few moments to take your calls about the big dinner and how to get it right this year you're listening to vancouver consumer on 980 cknw And welcome back to Vancouver Consumer this Saturday afternoon. I'm Sterling Fox, and it's a real pleasure to welcome Janice Stahl to the program. Janice is one of the nice ladies at the Butterball Hotline. Janice, good afternoon and welcome.
1: Well, good afternoon. Thanks for having me.
0: It's a pleasure to have you with us. We had your friend Carol Miller on with us on Canadian Thanksgiving a couple of months ago, and she was sensational. We had a lot of fun. And I, I wonder just uh, the difference between Thanksgiving and Christmas, just in terms of volumes on the on the Butterball line. Is it busier at Christmas, Janice, or at Thanksgiving? It's
1: busier at Thanksgiving.
0: Is that right?
1: Yeah, it is. Actually we we get more friends from our uh, ca- uh, we get more calls from our Canadian friends um in December. Um because it, I, from what I understand you guys use turkeys a lot for Christmas.
0: Well, we sure do. It's, yeah. it, it's the big traditional meal. So uh, yeah. and uh, let me just uh, let, let our, our listeners here in Vancouver know uh, that, of course, you have websites. And the American site is Butterball.com. And the Canadian site is Butterball.ca. And, of course, they're both full of terrific information uh, about getting it right. And so let's let's cut to the chase here, Janice. Lots of questions. Oh, let me open up my phone lines before I get to I'm going to hog you for a few minutes here and then turn you over to the tender mercies of my listeners. It's 604- <laughs> Good. 604-280-9898. Again, 604-280-9898. Your calls, well, anything turkey-related uh, is are welcome this afternoon. So let's talk about um, uh, the turkey. Uh, first of all, the option, you begin when when you, you acquire the turkey because some people buy them frozen. I We tend to buy ours frozen, Janice, because we buy, you know, look for a deal, stick it in the freezer, forget about it. A lot of other right. people seem to prefer Fresh. Is there an advantage either way?
1: No, there really isn't. Um, they're both a, obviously a fantastic product. They to- they both taste amazing. You, you really wouldn't know the difference. Um, but there's a lot of people who like to do their own brine. So if you like to do your own brine, then we recommend that you do a, you know, a turkey that has not been frozen, which is a fresh turkey, because then you can brine it. Because our frozen turkeys have already been brined, so there's no need to really do that.
0: Okay, so explain the brining process. I've never done it, so what do you do?
1: Absolutely. Very, very easy. It's a one-to-one ratio, so it's one cup of salt to one gallon of water. And so depending on how many gallons it's going to take to fully submerge that turkey, so you're going to take the turkey out of the packaging, you're going to put that turkey into, you know, some big bowl, vat, you know, something that will hold that turkey. You're going to cover it with this solution of salt and water. You're going to put it back in your freezer or in your fridge, or you can do it in a cooler. You'll do that overnight, and then in the morning, you're ready to cook it. That's all you have to do. But there are people who like to do like intricate brines where they'll use things like apple cider and they use all kinds of herbs. Oh. And, you know, things like that. Customized so, um, brines. Out there.
0: Yeah. Uh, interesting. So typically though, it would be soap in this salty water combo along with whatever other herbs and spices you choose to toss in for a minimum of it sounds like at least 12 hours then janice
1: yes overnight is really all you need and usually people do it the night before they're going to use it so if you're going to use it on christmas day then you just want to on christmas eve go ahead and do that with your fresh turkey
0: and then you just take it right out of the brine solution and just pop it right into the oven
1: yeah it's ready to go it's very simplistic
0: and and what if you choose not to? As I say, I've never done this before. So what what does the brining do? I, I would assume it alters the taste to, to some extent.
1: It tenderizes the meat. Ah. Yeah, so salt is a tenderizer, and right. um, it, it really makes it tender, and and it's not only good for things like turkey, I do it for things like pork chops, I'll do it for chicken, um, you know, many, many uses for a salt brine. Um, it, it works really phenomenal on, on things like that, but yeah, a turkey is just going to tenderize it and um, just makes it a little more juicy and a little more terrific.
0: We uh, tend to have, uh, uh, in our case, we have typically the same sort of crowd around the Christmas table for dinner every year, so we can pretty safe. Predict year to year to year how many people we're going to have. That's not always the case. So when you're heading out to buy a turkey for a gang, how do you determine what size turkey is appropriate, Janice?
1: Oh, that's a great question, and we get a lot of calls on that. So normally we say about a pound and a half per person. Um, it'll give you some nice generous leftovers, which you want to have. You know, if you're cooking a meal, that's the uh, you know, you, you get the, uh, the reward of, of getting those wonderful leftovers. You bet. So about a pound and a half. But um, we also have on our website, if you go to butterball.com, we have what's called our calculator out there. And the calculator is fantastic. You can actually put in how many adults you're having, how many children you're having, all right. big eaters, light eaters, and you simply press the button and it calculates it and it tells you how many pounds of turkey to buy.
0: Interesting. And every turkey contains the same percentage of white and dark meat, so it's all right. part of the package, right?
1: Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, and if you know you have guests that just prefer um, white meat then we suggest, just get one of our turkey breasts, because they're fantastic.
0: Ah, right. And a lot of people are doing that, particularly people who aren't uh, going to welcome a huge crowd, and they still want to enjoy the, the traditional dinner. But a turkey, oh my gosh, it's just massive. How about a portion of a turkey? And that's, right. that's also very popular, isn't it?
1: Oh, absolutely. And a lot of people, if it's just going to maybe be the two of them, they like to crock pot it. We get a lot of calls on um, putting the turkey breast in a crock pot, which is fabulous.
0: Oh, And uh, so would that be a different approach then than putting it at the oven? Uh, What's the difference? What's treatment is difference if you're going to do a portion of a turkey in a crock pot versus just putting the whole thing into a pot and into the oven it goes?
1: Right, right. So if you're going to use your crock pot, you're just going to put it, you'll defrost it, put it in your crock pot, Put a little bit of, um, maybe like a half a cup of, you can use water, you can use um, chicken broth, turkey broth, whatever you prefer. You can put some fresh herbs, spices, whatever you like, Mm -hmm. and you're gonna cook it on either high for about three to four hours or you'll cook it on low. For about six to seven hours. Um, you're just waiting until you get that internal temperature of 165 degrees since it's just the breast that you're cooking.
0: Right. Okay. Now, uh, let's con- l- contrast that, Janice, with uh, that's the crock pot method, either the slow or longer version of doing a piece or a portion of a turkey. Now, let's talk about the, the whole thing, uh, <laughs> the, the bird itself, and, and uh, let's talk about uh, procedures for cooking it properly.
1: Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, what you want to do is make sure um, that your you know your oven is preheated. We recommend three hundred and twenty-five degrees. If you're cooking, say, a turkey between you know twelve and eighteen pounds, or fifteen and eighteen pounds, you know, somewhere in that arena, yeah. You're looking at somewhere between. If you're going to stuff it, you always add an extra hour. Um, but if you're not going to stuff it, then you're looking at about three and a half hours for that fifteen-pound turkey. Um, but we recommend that you use a meat thermometer. You want to make sure that you're getting that 165 in the breast. You want 180 in the thigh. And if you should decide to stuff it, which I do, I wouldn't have it any other way. Me too. Stuff turkey. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, you just want to make sure that you take a, um, a, re- a you know a temperature reading off that stuffing, and you want it to be 165.
0: OK, let's talk about yeah. the stuffing, because of course, that's, uh, that's the highlight of in our family, the stuffing is, is as much sought after as the turkey itself, because the recipe goes back generations and it's fabulous.
2: Absolutely.
0: So of course, one thing you have to remember before you stuff the turkey is to remove the stuff in the turkey, right? How, yeah. many, how <laughs> many times do people call you up, going, oh. "You know, you know what I forgot to do?" And is it a complete, yes. is, is it a complete write-off? Because the giblets usually come in some kind of, like, little paper wrap or something, in a little bag. Right. And if you, you don't, for whatever dumb reason, you don't forget to take them out, and you just cook the thing anyway, is it a write-off, or are you still okay?
1: <laughs> so we get a lot of calls on that on Thanksgiving Day. So people will be carving their turkey, and all of a sudden, you know, surprise! <laughs> they, uh, the fa- they found the little giblet bag. Yeah. And, um, and those are usually the people who... They don't use the giblets. They don't even know the giblets come with the turkey. Exactly. Um, so um, we just tell them to toss it. But I have a funny story this year. So I have a son who's in college, and he did a Friendsgiving this year for the first time. And he called me in a panic on the Friday that he did this. It was a Friday before they were um, you know, coming home for, for the real Thanksgiving. Okay. And he said, Mom, he's like... We just found this bag in the back of the turkey. <laughs> it's like, is it okay to eat? And I just, I had to laugh because I'm like, oh my gosh, you're just like the callers. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my own son didn't even know this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you, you'd think he would have somehow picked it up from mom over all those you know,
1: years. I- I was proud that he was making a turkey. I was proud that he took a, you know, meat thermometer to college with him. But I guess I didn't explain that giblet bag, you know, thoroughly.
0: <laughs> but it, it, it doesn't, it. If, if indeed, as your son and many, many other people constantly do, it's just a, it's a detail, and, and he, things get busy. Life gets right. busy. And sometimes Absolutely. you just forget. So if, if you do um, forget and you do cook it anyway, just throw them out and everything else throw is still A-OK, Right
1: throw them out and
0: move on or give them to the dog. My dog loves the giblets. Oh, well, you know what we use them for? They go into a pot uh, and it stays on on, a sort of a low boil. And that's the water from that pot that gets ladled onto the, the turkey every half hour or so by way of basting. And then, of course, that's the makings of the gravy in the bottom of the pan as well, all from the giblets and the water on the
1: stove. A lot of people love to do that. A lot of people will boil the giblets, you know, like you said, kind of all day long. I know. Yeah. Um, some people will chop them up and put them in with their stuffing. Some people just use the the, um, the liquid for in their stuffing, um, the basting thing. So I, I'm going to shed some light on that for you. Okay. So you do not need the baste. Um, butterball turkeys are also basting, right. and every time you open up your oven door. You lose 25 degrees of heat, and your oven has to play catch up, you know, to catch back up to that 325. Right. And turkey skin, it's waterproof. Nothing gets through it. So all you're doing is pouring that juice over the turkey. And it's running right down into the pan, mm-hmm. so there's no need to do it. We almost call it pointless effort.
0: <laughs> Except, of course, there there is the ultimately. Once the turkey is removed, uh, there's all of that gorgeous liquid in the bottom oh, that serves as the 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 foundation, the building block yeah. for, for what turns out to be a rather exceptional brand of gravy.
1: <laughs> you better believe it. Yeah, that, that's what you're doing. You're enhancing your gravy.
0: Right. Uh, and I guess, does does it even make the uh, the skin crisper at, at all because it, you're basting it and exposing it no, like that?
1: No, it actually doesn't. Um, the, huh. the way to get the crispiest, um, that really golden, beautiful brown color. I'm a food stylist for a living, so I'm the one responsible for those you know pretty turkeys on the front covers of magazines. I'm, oh. I'm the one everybody hates. Um, they're like, stop it! How do you make it look so good? Right. <laughs> but um, all it is—it's vegetable oil. Vegetable oil is all you need on the skin of a turkey, and even the vegetable oil that comes in like spray cans, oh, works phenomenal. You spray it all over your turkey. Put a little bit of salt and pepper on it and stick it in the oven. All you need to do.
0: So you're a a food stylist because in our house, uh, when one is complimenting the cook on on a superb dinner, uh, the adjective frequently used is magazine this is, right. this that, is, yes. this, this could be right on the front cover of, you know, better homes and meals or whatever. <laughs> magazine is, is a complimentary adjective in our house. So you're Absolutely. one of those persons. Oh, okay. Janice. Yeah, we I,
1: always say, is it magazine ready?
0: <laughs> so you're one of those people. Janice, let me, I'm one of those. let me, let me take a quick break here. We're going to do a, a news update for our Vancouver listeners. And then uh, we'll get back to more of our conversation. Janice Stahl is with us from the Butterball Hot Line. Uh you can check out the websites butterball.com or butterball.ca during the news break and if you'd like to grab a phone line if you have some thoughts or perhaps just a straight up question for our guest uh, the lines are open at 604-280-9898 more on turkey dinners with the butterball hotline lady after the news and welcome back to the program. Sterling Fox with you on this cloudy Saturday afternoon. Joined on the line from the Butterball Hotline by Janice Stahl. Here to take your questions about, uh, well, everything to do with a turkey dinner. Lines are wide open, 604-280-9898. Uh, Janice uh, joining us from Chicago this afternoon. Uh, Janice, we talked about uh, a, a few methods of, of preparing a turkey. But one of the things that uh, is kind of popular uh, is the, the whole Deep fried turkey. I've never done this because I I don't have a, a device big enough, but talk to us a little bit about deep frying turkeys because it's really gaining in popularity.
1: Oh, deep frying is wonderful. I I highly recommend it. We try to do every year we do a traditional turkey and then we do something that's kind of a we we call it like the fun turkey, you okay. know, we try something different. And a few years back we did the fried the deep fried one and oh my gosh, it won out over the regular turkey. Um first of all, it's really easy. We partnered with Masterbuilt, and so Butterbolt actually makes a deep fryer. Oh, okay. It's Indoor it's indoor safe. So it's ele- it's electric. You plug it in. Um, there's nothing to catch fire. There's no propane. You know, it's a very, very nice, you know, unit. Um, they come in different sizes. The one I have holds up to a 14-pound turkey. So I had a 14-pound turkey that year. All right. Lower, lowered it into the um, oil, and it cooks in 45 minutes. Holy cow. It's done. And Not... it's wonderful. And Absolutely what kind wonderful. of oil
0: do you cook it in? Just your regular uh, canola-type oil?
1: You know, we recommend peanut oil. Oh, okay. Uh, I have but I have actually tried canola oil and I didn't find any issues with it and it's it's a lot, um a lot cheaper than having to buy peanut oil. Um but peanut oil is just a little cleaner sure. um of an oil. But um but yeah, it works amazing and I highly recommend it. It's absolutely delicious.
0: Okay, so the we've got the we've talked about baking and all the rest of it in the oven and, and uh brining in advance if you wanted to do that twist to the plot. And now deep frying. What other methods are there that are popular?
1: Oh, absolutely. So um, we also have a lot of people who like to inject their turkeys. So they will buy the injection kits and maybe they'll buy a Cajun marinade or, you know, some sort of spicy marinade. And they'll inject the turkey with that before they cook it or before they deep fry it or, you know, however you're going to prepare it. So that's become very popular over the years that people buy these injection kits. And you can get them online. You can get them at a lot of your big box stores. Um, they're pretty easy to find during the holidays because it's become you know kind of a popular trend. Um, but another great way to wait to make your turkey is how we make it here in my house. We make ours on our um, on our grill, on our gas grill. Oh, really? Because I want to leave my oven open for side dishes and you know things like that. So I prefer to cook it out on my gas grill. Do you and have I a rotisserie?
0: a rotisserie? Do you is, no. a bit of
1: No. Okay. I use it just like my oven, so I heat my grill up to 325 degrees. I put my turkey in my shallow roasting pan. I prep it just like I would as if I was putting it in the oven, except I put it out on the grill and I cook it for the same amount of time. It actually even gets um, a darker brown, and you get like a crispier skin. It's. Fantastic! It's my, it's actually my favorite way to make a turkey. About on the grill. Well, you're
2: really
0: opening up a world of possibilities for it because we do it the traditional way in the oven and and all of that. Now, mind you, the one thing about doing it in the oven is the smell. Oh my gosh, oh, it does! Yeah, once yeah, you once absolutely. you put a turkey in the oven, it doesn't take long for the whole house to start smelling oh so good, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, that that is the one thing you lose, but your neighbors will go nuts because uh, the whole neighborhood's going to smell like turkey if you put it outside on your grill. I'll just.
0: <laughs> Bet now. We talked a little bit about freezers and and whether we. I asked you what which uh, in terms of whether it's better uh, to uh, use a fresh turkey versus a frozen turkey, and you said it's neither. Not, one is neither uh, not better than the other. It's simply individual preference and experience. But if we buy a frozen turkey, are there any sort of rules of thumb, Janice, as to how long a turkey can be left in the freezer safely?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we say um, up to two years. Oh, my. um, Okay. If if it's never been defrosted and your freezer, you know, stayed frozen, um, two years is absolutely fine. You can actually even go longer than two years, except the the quality of the meat gets a little bit drier. um, And we say then maybe you just want to use it for things like you can still cook it and there's nothing wrong with it. Right. But you might want to use it for things like casseroles or soups or chilies, you know, things like that. But up to two years? absolutely perfect for your thanksgiving turkey
0: well okay i hear i was worried about Christmas going turkey. beyond a couple of months for crying out two years is. Oh it? no,
1: no. Oh. they go years yeah
0: okay what does all natural turkey mean janice
1: oh well you know we um there's never any um hormones um things like that within our turkeys so all natural is is the way you want it it's 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 a beautiful product
0: and tastes amazing and uh yeah so that's minus uh, any uh, uh chemical uh I- ingredients in the uh the preparation and the lifespan of the turkey
1: absolutely okay gotcha absolutely. that's what I yeah. thought it
0: meant but I thought I'd ask the turkey lady because yeah. you're you're the one with all the information you know turkey <laughs> turkey says you were talking about how uh in America uh, the Thanksgiving turkey is there is more dominant in terms of popularity sure people still have turkey dinners at Christmas time but in America, the Thanksgiving, uh, it's really where the turkey happens. In Canada, I don't know whether it's the reverse necessarily, but turkey, I think, is a bigger deal in, in many Canadian households at Christmas time than perhaps it is in the States. But it's not a universal thing, Janice. Uh, it's, it's, it's a cultural thing. We have a friend from Thailand, for example who refers to turkeys as ugly chickens <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, and just can't imagine a massive bird like that being on anybody's table because that's not the way they do it in that country. Everything's smallish. And, and, right. uh, and so it, it is a cultural thing. Uh, have you noticed that as well?
1: Yeah. You know what? Um, not only is the turkey um, a cultural thing, but if you, what you stuff it with is also depends on where you're from good point so this is kind of a a very interesting thing in 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 the states down here we um if you are on the west coast oyster stuffing is a big deal um you grew up eating oysters in your stuffing and you put that in your turkey if you're down in the new mexico area you you use things like habaneros and um it's more of a spicy stuffing. Um, if you're yeah, it, it's very interesting. If you're down in the south, it's usually a cornbread stuffing. So we do find that things are different based on where you're from, where you live, um, you know, all the way down to, like I said, the stuffing. So And, and turkey, too. So it just depends.
0: Let's get back to the preparation point because none of us have our, our, our meals ready uh, yet. How do you safely handle the turkey? I mean, are there any rules in terms of uh, the person doing the cooking? And uh, because you worry about because it's a fowl, and because you worry about salmonella and all of these other realities and you got a whole gang coming over for supper and you don't want to blow it. So what about safely, safety procedures in terms of uh, the the pre-cooking stuff?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we have what's called our four T's. And the four T's are what's really important in properly handling that turkey all the way from buying it to, you know, freezing it or, you know, storing your leftovers. So the first T is thaw. You want to properly thaw. So, no thawing outside in the backyard. You know, we're in Chicago here, so it's cold. A lot of people run out of freezer space, and they think, yeah, it's 30 degrees outside. I'm just going to, you know, put it out back, nestle it in the snow. But the problem with Chicago is that we'll also have a day where it starts out at 30, and it ends up being 60. Mm-hmm. So. Um, and you end up, you know, ruining it. You don't ever want to thaw it on your counter, the trunk of your car, in the garage. You know, we get we get all the the places where people have thawed them. You want to thaw it in, in a controlled situation, which is in your refrigerator. So that's the only place you want to thaw it, unless you're using our cold water thaw method. And that's doing it in a sink filled with water. And oh, that's okay. fine too.
0: I was going to say, I've also heard about the bathtub approach. Now, you, yeah. call, it, you call it a sink, but either yeah, way, sink, it's a bathtub, large a yeah. large area full of water. And that's, that's okay, too, then.
1: And that's okay. That's okay. So those are our two preferred methods for fine. So that's um, for our first T. Our second T is thermometer. And this is where safety comes in. Um, we get a lot of calls on Thanksgiving Day um, and Christmas Day, although we're not open on Christmas Day anymore, but we used to be. Okay. So we'll, we we get a lot of calls, and um, people want to know if it's done, and we have no way to tell if that turkey is done if you don't have a thermometer. Right. And so what people end up doing is they leave that turkey in an extra 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and before you know it, you've got that really dry turkey that's you know, needs a really good gravy to go with it. Um, so we always recommend that you use a thermometer and really any piece of meat you're cooking, you should be using a thermometer. And you want to get make sure, we'll go through those times again, you get 180 in the thigh, 165 in the breast, and 165 in that stuffing. Okay. So that's your second T. Your third T is you have, it's, we call it the two hour rule. So you have two hours to carve the, the you know the meat off the turkey serve it enjoy it and get it back into containers to put it back into your refrigerator okay so a lot of people make the mistake of leaving it on the turkey leaving the meat on the turkey and putting that whole turkey back in their refrigerator
0: sometimes covered with a tea towel that's been uh, soaked in and dampened i've seen that many many times
1: (laughs) exactly so
0: what what's what's wrong with that
1: Um, if you've ever left a turkey out on the counter to cool before you carve it, you will notice that a turkey will stay warm for a very, very long time. If Mm. you have a large turkey, you can let it sit on that counter for half an hour and it retains its heat. Okay. So the problem is that you're putting that turkey back into your refrigerator and it's still warm. Oh, okay. It's still warm and it's, um, that's where bacteria has a heyday. Um, so you really want to make sure that it's off of all the bones. And if you want to keep the carcass, absolutely. But just put it in, put it in a freezer bag and throw it in your freezer, and then use it, you know, when you have a moment or something. But you just want to make sure you get all that meat off of that.
0: So ideally, that, that's, the, that's the proper and safe method to do it. Once, you, once you've enjoyed yeah. your meal and everybody's full and and, uh, and and somebody's got the energy to get up and begin the cleanup, and hopefully it's not the <laughs> same person that did the cooking, that's not fair. Nonetheless, that not fair. <laughs> That's. I'm glad you agree. Uh, but but you know, somebody has got to be in charge of taking the meat off off the, off the, the, and and putting it in in containers in the fridge rather than just putting the whole shooting match back in the fridge.
1: Right. Or we get calls with people who just put it back in the oven and they kept it on warm all night and they want to know if that's okay. And it is not. OK. So um, just make sure, you, you know, you went through all that effort. You have a beautiful, beautiful product. Probably had a beautiful dinner. Um, make sure you can, you know, really keep those leftovers and, um, you know, follow that rule. But then our fourth T, our final T, is that you want to use those leftovers within three days. And if you can't use them within three days, then we recommend that you freeze it and you can freeze it for up to two, three months.
0: Oh, okay. In our house, it very seldom lasts. Well, we try to keep enough set aside so we can have a hot turkey sandwich for ourselves the day after. But the gang that shows up likes to take huge souvenirs back home with them. So, <laughs> so there's never much left to worry about in our house, at least.
1: I hear, yeah, we're, we're in the same boat. <laughs>
0: And so that if you are going to keep some, uh, again, uh, if you do freeze it, if you decide that, uh, you know, if you have a situation where there's, it, it hasn't been all taken away by your happy guests, uh, that you do right. have a surplus uh, based on uh, what your needs will be for the next day or two, you can safely freeze it for how long did you say, up to a couple of months? Uh,
1: yeah, two, three months. Absolutely. Um, it won't be good for like, it's not going to be just like fresh carved turkey. Because it's gonna lose that that flavor with, you know, going through your freezer. Oh, sure. But it's great for things like casseroles, soups, chilies, um, omelets, you know, anything like that. It works out fantastic for.
0: Okay. Uh, Not a lot of time left, Janice. You're just a great guest to have to talk about knowledgeable. I didn't want to let you go, though, without talking about the stuffing. Now, we've talked a little bit about it and how that if, for example, you have a stuffed turkey that you should probably allow at least an extra hour cooking time period because it's a stuffed turkey. But what's the best way to stuff a turkey?
1: absolutely so you just want to lightly stuff it we always say you don't want to pack it in so as you're starting to put that you know stuffing in the turkey just think light fluffy airy um because you want to be able to make sure that that airflow is still getting in there and cooking it so you don't want it to be all you know dense and compacted in there so just think light and airy as you're packing that stuffing in and then there's a, a little bit of a dilemma on um people who like crunchy stuffing and people who like, um, don't want that crunchy edge. Right. So now in our family, we fight over the crunchy edge. As we do too. Yeah. See, we don't cover it, but there are people who actually cover it because they don't want that. Right. Yeah.
0: Interesting stuff. So if you, if you over uh, make uh, your stuffing, if you've got more, as it turns out, than you actually need for the turkey, you can just cook it in a side dish, uh, right? in In the oven beside the turkey, right?
1: And we do that because we always, we are a family that likes our stuffing. We have like a tradition of the type of stuffing that we make. Ours happens to have um, ground beef in it um and it's a hit in our house and um well, you always want more so i always make a side casserole dish of it so that we have extra and sometimes the next day i don't even eat the turkey i just want to eat that stuffing <laughs> ah,
0: well and Two you know well that's right and, and you know whatever works for the family right and if you've got right. more, more than one reason for people to keep coming back for your turkey dinners so much the better right
1: Right,
0: absolutely. Janice, it's been a real pleasure having you on the program this afternoon. Your your energy is infectious, and uh, your advice is priceless. So we do appreciate it. We wish you and your family a very Merry Christmas, and thanks so much for doing this with us today.
1: And Merry Christmas to your family and you also. Thank you so much.
0: All right, our pleasure entirely. There's Janice Stahl from the Butterball Hotline. They have a couple of websites. The American website is butterball.com. The Canadian equivalent is butterball.ca. A lot of the information we've discussed on this program this afternoon is available on the websites. You can go and get more reminders from good advice passed along today from Janice Stahl. We'll be back after this. And once again, our thanks to Janice Stahl from the Butterball Hotline for a fun, informative visit. Next week, Stephen Bennett returns as our annual Christmas present to you. Stephen is a career tradesman with Mid City Plumbers, and he can answer just about any questions you might have about do it yourself plans or projects or just anything that may not be quite right at your house. He's become a Christmas tradition on our program, and we're looking forward to having Stephen back next Saturday afternoon to take your calls time now for duly noted and this time
2: around our producer ben Dooley has a look at a gas hike from fortis thanks sterling fortis pc is asking all of its customers to conserve natural gas as much as possible a pipeline explosion in october near prince george interrupted supply and even now the pipeline is still only operating at about 85 percent capacity Here's Fortis BC Communications Advisor Nicole Brown.
1: So even though they've made repairs to their line, they're still testing it. There's, it's still not at um, the capacity that we need.
2: A daily natural gas forecast is posted on the company's website with warnings that if supplies reach critical or extreme levels, it's possible customers will begin losing service, Brown says.
1: If the whole system fails, then everybody is out of natural gas. So the first step that we would take is we would reach out again to our customers that have opted for a lower natural gas rate, which means they can be interrupted.
2: According to Brown, since supply is low, prices are going up. Fortis BC has had to purchase natural gas from other suppliers at a higher cost than was stipulated in the Ambridge contract.
1: This has increased our costs. Um, and costs that we don't necess- that we don't mark up. These are just the, the customers pay what we pay, and so the cost to bring natural gas to our customers has now increased.
2: Province wide, residential customers will see an approximate overall increase of nine percent. Rate hikes take effect on New Year's Day. I'm Ben Dooley, and that's Julie Noted. Thanks, Ben.
0: Can't say I'm actually looking forward to that, but nice to know. Time for a couple more consumer quickies before we go. WestJet Airlines says it's cooperating with an investigation by Canada's competition watchdog following accusations of predatory pricing from a competitor. WestJet said in an email this week it is compiling information in response to an investigation from the competition commissioner. Edmonton-based Flair Airlines has accused... Calgary-based WestJet and its low-cost offshoot Swoop of undercutting its business by pricing fares at or below cost and flooding certain routes with flights contrary to competition legislation that protects new entrants from more dominant carriers. A senior Flair executive says the ultra-low-cost carrier lost about $10 bucks between mid-June and mid-October as a result. He says, WestJet offered tickets starting at $39 for flights between Edmonton and Abbotsford. That move alone cost Flair $2 bucks. The Federal Court of Canada on Tuesday ordered a WestJet vice president to appear before the competition commissioner to explain the airline tactics. And Canada is the most Christmassy country in the world, according to Taxi2Airport.com. Here's the quote. Canada ranked number one in the spot thanks to an impressive amount of population listens to the Christmas music. We ranked 8th place out of 55 countries looked at by Spotify. We all have our seasonal favorite songs, and despite some recent attempts at controversy, Baby, It's Cold Outside is still one of them. Our country had the sixth highest chance of a white Christmas, so from skiing with Santa at Worcester Blackcomb to ice skating around Lake Louise, the world's best skating rink, and riding in a horse-drawn sleigh in Sun Peaks or Mont-Saint-Anne, it's easy to see why Canada topped the festive country's index. So we're number one at something and this is a good one to be. And that is our program for this week produced by Ben Dooley. Andrew Ferreira is at the controls. We appreciate your feedback. Sterling at CKNW.com or tweet us at Van Consumer. Join us again next Saturday at two for more right here on 980 CKNW. The proceeding was a paid commercial program.